This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Thursday. You know, Mater, I have no clue what uh, Twitch ads... Usually when I get Twitch ads, they're like video game ads. They're like the the newest expansion to Fortnite or some shit. Raid Shadow Legends or something. I don't I don't know what kind of what kind of fucking ad you got. Also, good evening, my friend. I'm having a, a nice hot cup of, of apple cider. Mater, Porg, Warlord, good evening. So glad to see you. I'm not I'm not high enough for this shit. I'm not high at all, pretty much. I smoked with Curiouser earlier. Asked her if she wanted a bong, and she's like, no, no, no bong. I think I want a bong right now. You gonna pork? That's it sounds like you're living in sexual anarchy. What is going on in my chat right now? I guess, I guess tonight is the last regular uh, Troll Patrol of the year. This is the 29th of December. Uh, tomorrow night, we usually do the Friday Night Freak Show. I'm going to take tomorrow off. I might do a fucking round stream. I might not. Who knows? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owen and jo- Kevin Owens and John Cena. I can tell you that right now. Might might come on and and do a fucking round stream during our usual time. I promise you, I'm actually gonna concentrate on the freak show come the beginning of the year. We're gonna work on it. And build it up. I've got this. I've got this big old nug right here. I'm saving. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the the all the the shit that's at the bottom here and dump it out. It's gonna be my bong, but I'm gonna save this big old nug. Curiouser is going to the weed store tomorrow. I'm like, oh good. Pick me up some more, please. Devil Negan. Good evening. I sure did. We covered that the other night, Porg. I'm your I'm your newsman. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you up on the news. We got we got breaking news tonight. The man in Romania who isn't too happy. He decided he was gonna pick on a 19 year old yesterday. He embarrassed him on the Twitter, and then things just cascaded from there. <laughs> I I have a meme. I have a meme for you. Yes, Jerry, an extra small pepperoni. They, th- him and some of his followers, his acolytes, had some really questionable posts about Greta. My God. They talk about how, like, the left is wanting to groom kids. Fuck. Weirdos. I, you know, like, 
I don't like people using uh, using kids for propaganda purposes, but fucking Greta's cool. <laughs> I've I don't have I don't have any beef with her, and she's always got the best like comeback. So, hey, sirrah, sirrah. Oh yes, yes, they changed his Wikipedia page. Do I have the screenshot handy, or was that on my phone? That was on my phone. They changed his Wikipedia page. It had his uh, wins and losses. <laughs> oh my god, just can't. Man can't catch a break today. Shit, did I not share it out? All these, all these Andrew Tate memes, and I didn't share out that one. But yeah, someone uh, changed his Wikipedia page to uh, Greta Thunberg being his last loss. By TKO, too. They changed it to uh, by TKO. I've got, <laughs> I've got some dude in my messages like, uh, I get you podcast views. I start your work now. Please send money. No, I I was I was trolling you, dude. I was trolling you. So tonight is the is the last regular troll patrol. We will smoke to this. Saturday night, we're going to do a special edition of the troll patrol. Usually we're not on on Saturdays this Saturday. We're going to go to midnight. I don't, I don't know exactly what live coverage we're going to watch. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Newsmax. Newsmax is doing a New Year's special. So I really want to torture you guys. We might watch the new Newsmax. New Year's coverage. But we're going, we're going to do a clip show. We're going to watch some of the, the... Coolest clips from the year of the Troll Patrol. We're going to do a countdown to the biggest stories of the year. I've got some other neat little little things like uh, fucking top Netflix shows and uh, top news bloopers. Ah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, Mater. Roller, good evening. Oh, I was going to hit this bong. <laughs> oh, God. I I get off topic sometimes. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody reminded me. I do have um, moonshine in the freezer. Cursor was like, there's moonshine if you need to get intoxicated on the stream. I'm like, well, that could be a New Year's thing. Double double shot of THC. This is not actually THC. This is CBD infused with THCO. 
hadn't heard from her doc like all year. Fuzzy Simba. Thank you for the resub. Got his license revoked for sexually harassing his staff. Wow. Wow. You damn right, Negan. Well, I've also, I've got, um, whatever the, the, the THC flower was that I bought. I've still got plenty of it. I have tried moon rocks. I have tried moon rocks. Somebody brought me some from Colorado one time. I have indeed tried the moon rocks. There we go. I might be high enough for this. I've got a really good show for you guys tonight. This is this is a good lineup of of, of news stories. Not as horrific as last night, I do believe. Pot is legal in uh, New York City now. We're we're gonna see uh, some dispensaries open. We're gonna, I got footage of that. Some cops in Buffalo told people to go home and cook macaroni. Cops in Nashville uh, tried to arrest some Southwest passengers who were upset about their flight. We're going to hear from Greg Stinchfield. Speaking of Newsmax, I was talking about Newsmax earlier. Greg Stinchfield. He's going to give us the lowdown on what's really happening with Southwest. A family says that they feel targeted after their neighbors painted a racial slur on their house. White man is suing Verizon for getting fired because he was singing DMX lyrics on a company phone and he dropped some N-bombs. This is a real lawsuit that's happening. And apparently his union is going to bat for him. We'll, we'll, We'll get the lowdown on that story. The founder of Home Depot... Says he says, first of all, he says nobody wants to work anymore, but he also says that he is worried about capitalism. Sir, you should be. I like to hear crusty old white fucks say they're worried about capitalism. Philadelphia DA Larry Krasner was in court today asking the court to stop the impeachment. It is possible that the court will step in and stop the, the partisan legislature from impeaching Larry Krasner. The Nevada GOP has appointed a complete and total nut job to a judgeship. And like, I just show you a picture of the woman. You're going to be like, yep, she's a nut. Democrat has won the race for attorney general in Arizona following a recount. We've got transcripts released from the January 6th committee. Apparently, Lindsey Graham was trying to... We hear Republicans all the time 
make the accusation that, you know, uh, dead people vote for Democrats. Apparently, Lindsey Graham was trying to get some dead people to vote for Republicans. It's always projection with these fucks. We're going to hear an ex-prosecutor break down uh, their thoughts on the Don Jr. transcript. Jared Kushner wanted to exclude the incoming president, Joe Biden, from planning for uh, COVID. Uh, Rayups. Rayups, everybody. This has been a right-wing conspiracy that's been going on for a while. Rayups was the dude that was, like, uh, encouraging violence on January 5th. Right-wingers have been all up in arms, like, oh, well, why wasn't he arrested with the January 6th people? He must have been a fed. It was the feds. It was the feds doing a January 6th. He's rich. That's why he hasn't been arrested. He did indeed testify in front of the January 6th committee, and his transcripts have been released now. Latin more tonight on the Troll Patrol. Live. Yeah, they're saying the government tried to overthrow the government. I never thought about it that way, poor. It's kind of like the uh, God had to sacrifice himself to himself to save us from himself. All right, one more, one more bong rip, and then we'll find out what that news be doing. Oh, and of course, Andrew Tate. I've got video. I've got video of Tate getting perp walked. Tones, good evening. You made it just in time. Uh, unless you wanted to be bummed out, because I guess the first story is really a bummer, especially if you are a soccer fan, or I guess the football, as other country call, as other countries call it. Perhaps you will be bummed out if you are a football fan. Legendary Brazilian soccer player Pele, dead at the age of eighty-two. Oh, yeah, I forgot CNN doesn't play on this browser. Hold on. (laughs) Gotta go get another browser. I was doing such a good job of introing it. I hate it when I fuck up the... The transitions. What's up, Woke Potato, my friend? By just one name, you have truly succeeded. Pele is regarded by many as the greatest footballer of all time. His humble demeanor and generous spirit have guaranteed his legacy as a... So I'm not a sporty ball fan at all, and I'm definitely not a, a sporty ball fan of, of, of shit that uh, doesn't get played in my country. Well, I guess, I guess soccer gets played in my country now. Uh, I know Pele from um, the fact that AJ Styles does what's called the Pele kick in wrestling. But also, I believe Pele was involved in politics, so I was interested to get the rundown of his life. Global icon. This is a big responsibility, you know. I feel very comfortable because uh, something I cannot answer was 
why God gave me this, you know, you know this uh, gift. <laughs> this was a gift from God. And I tried to be in my best. I tried to, to respect people. I tried to prepare myself. I tried to be always in good shape. <laughs> you know, the, the most important, respect the people. Raised in the slums of Sao Paulo in the 1940s, Edson Arantes de Nascimento discovered football at a young age. He made his debut for Santos at the age of just 16, and within a year he was scoring goals for the Brazilian national team. By this Ed Ball, good evening. Better known by his nickname, Pele, and in 1958, at 17, he became the youngest man to play in a World Cup final. How did he get the name Pele? Brazil beat Sweden. It was the first of three world titles he'd help win for his country. He electrified audiences with his fancy footwork and ability to score seemingly impossible goals, so it was something of a disappointment that his 1,000th goal was a penalty. friend of mine, he's Aww. a guy in, in Brazil, he said, listen, God stopped the game because everyone has to see your 1,000 goal. That's the reason it was the penalty kick. <laughs> After his goal, the game against Vasco da Gama was stopped for several minutes to celebrate his landmark achievement. Aww. In 1967, Pele learned that he and his team had the power to stop other things too, when their visit to Nigeria prompted warring factions to call a 48-hour ceasefire in the country's city. Pele means miracle. We stop war because the people are so crazy for football. They love football. They stopped the war to see Santos play. Clinically, good evening. This is a fantastic, you know, something who you cannot explain. By the time Pele retired as a footballer in 1977, playing his final years for the Cosmos in New York, he'd amassed a career total of 1,281 goals. For Pele, that was half a lifetime ago, but his infectious love of the game ensured that he remained relevant. He served as a UN ambassador for ecology and the environment, he rubbed shoulders with state leaders all over the world, and he received an honorary knighthood from Queen Elizabeth in 1997. And who could forget his appearance in the cult movie, Escape to Victory? I to give me ball. Here, I do this, I guess I could, but I've never seen the movie, so. go. Also couldn't forget it if I've never seen it. Starred alongside Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone. Here's the Pele kick. Prisoner of War who scored a spectacular, morale-boosting goal in a game against the Germans. I think, first of all, is a gift from God. Second, I think it was a lot of work, hard work and training. And I have to say thanks to God because my father was a football player, was a center forward and then my father was a very you know, perfectionist you know and then everything who I used to do I tried to do he used to say listen you know you must to be better than that he's always been a global icon but in his native Brazil he will always be regarded as a national treasure his passing is cause for national mourning and as he so humorously put it himself there will never be Another Pele. To be the new Pele would be very difficult because my mother and my father they closed the machine. What? <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa.
Did he just tell us there's never going to be a another payday because his dad got the snip snip? You live in sexual anarchy. He seemed like a cool guy. So sad that he died of cancer at 82. Pele. I didn't know anything about him. Cool to get a rundown of his life. All right, we I guess I guess we gotta get to this, don't we? Last night we we played a video. I showed you I showed you Andrew Tate, who just out of the blue, unprovoked, decided to tag Greta Thunberg in a post. Greta clap back. I would I would have no doubt that Greta has no clue who the fuck he is. And she was just clapping back at some some asshole on the internet. Man took ten hours. Made a dumbass video that we watched last night where he's in a robe, apparently tweaks his nipple, and he orders Jerry's pizza. Now, apparently Jerry's Pizza is a Romanian pizza place, and Andrew Tate was under surveillance by the Romanian government, and they were going to raid his house whenever they knew that he was home, apparently, which came in the form of him getting Jerry's Pizza delivered. In the video where he's clapping back to Greta Thunberg, toxic influencer Andrew Tate is arrested in human trafficking raid at his luxury villa in Romania after Pizza Box and his smug video clapback at Greta Thunberg gave away his location. Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan were detained by Romanian cops on Thursday. Prosecutors say they are suspects in a human trafficking investigation. The crime ring allegedly forced women into performing porn for sale online. Chicago-born Tate, 36, has been branded the king of toxic masculinity. Spokesman says Tate will assist and help Romanian authorities. Andrew Tate has been taken into police custody in Romania on suspicion of rape, human trafficking, and organized crime offenses after cops raided his luxury home. The prolific social media personality, 36, who just got his Twitter back was detained for 24 hours alongside his brother Tristan as part of a criminal probe. Romanian prosecutors said following raids on his villa and other properties near Bucharest. Prosecutors said the brothers are suspects in an alleged organized crime ring that sexually exploited at least six women who were recruited, housed, and forced into performing pornographic videos for sale online. Self-described misogynist Andrew Tate and his brother will face questioning by the country's organized crime and terrorism team which, by the way, is called Greta. In one of the, the wildest coincidences. <laughs> will face questioning by the country's organized crime and terrorism team as part of the probe into alleged sex crimes and human trafficking offenses. It's believed that his online spat with Greta Thunberg contributed to the timing of the raids, which came a day after he taunted the climate, climate activist while uh, posing alongside a Romanian pizza box. 
Lenny, good evening. Spokesperson for Tate told Daily Mail, we cannot provide any details at the moment regarding alleged reports that they have been detained. However, Andrew and Tristan Tate have the utmost respect for Romanian authorities. He's a bootlicker. He's a fucking bootlicker. And will always assist and help in any way they can. So there you can see picture of Tate being detained. I might also have video of him being perp walked. If, if, if that would tickle your taint. If, if you would be amused by watching him get perp walked, then uh, who am I to deny you that privilege, right? This is apparently from Romanian TV. You know, they should have done like Donald Trump uh, said to do. Make sure, you know, they hit their head as you're putting them into the cop car. If anybody deserves it, it's that fuck. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, right? This is apparently the cops going into his compound. You can see a, a picture from yesterday's video. Jerry's Pizza. In case you didn't get the reference in the meme. <laughs> this, this meme is so great. It works on so many levels. Extra small pepperoni. And you know what's great is that there were so many chuds that came to Andrew Tate's defense. Apparently, it was a really good day for both Thunberg and uh, Andrew Tate on social media. I hope this is just my... Oh, this is just my browser doing weird shit, as it so often does. And not me actually, not, there's no way he felt shame and took the video down. Uh-oh, no. No way, no way. He did feel shame and took the video down? No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> I had Benny Johnson just like four hours ago bragging about how cool Andrew Tate was. <laughs> no fucking way. He did take it down. Are you telling me a right winger was able to feel embarrassment? I don't fucking believe it. Oh fucking shit. That makes that makes me uh that makes me feel good. That warms the cockles of my heart. I was gonna show you Benny Johnson. I didn't get to hear what he what he had to say about 
uh, of Andrew Tate. But you can see he's posted about it multiple times. It was 22 hours ago. Greta Thunberg gets dragged on Twitter after botched burn of Andrew Tate. You can see him retweeting Tate's video. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the, the video that Benny Johnson made about it four hours ago that I was going to play for you guys, he has indeed taken down. I'm sad. Apparently an hour ago, he tweeted out that Andrew Tate has been arrested. You felt embarrassment, Benny. I didn't know it was possible. Benny is the guy we watched. Uh, he, he was taking a car service. And uh, Benny, is not, um, Benny is not big enough for anyone to care to archive that video. So it might not exist uh, anywhere else. Nor, nor is it worth the trouble to seek out. Though it would have been fun to watch some coke. But Benny was taking a car service and apparently the dude that was driving his car was preaching to him about God. So like, <laughs> Benny decides he's going to take a, a selfie video of this dude talking to, like apparently he told a story that really inspired Benny. But he was parked like in front of an airport and there were people at the airport trying to tell this, this Uber driver to move his fucking car as Benny is like, here, 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 tell my followers about your, your inspirational story. It was... <laughs> One of the funniest things we've watched here on stream. Though we watch a lot of crazy fucking shit. If you've been in the right-wing internet sphere today, you may have noticed something. They are bragging about the fact that the subpoena by the January 6th committee uh, for Donald Trump to testify expired. That's what happened. It expired. Because uh, those of you who actually know how things work might understand that the committee is no longer a thing as of today. This is the official end of the, the session of the current Congress. We await, uh, what, January 3rd is the swearing in of the next Congress. So there, there is no January 6th committee anymore. The subpoena was always set to expire today. But there have been many people on social media bragging like, Oh my God, it proves it's just a sham. The subpoena has been uh, retracted. I'm serious. They're, and they're saying, they're saying it because even Donald Trump, the subpoena is dead. Trump and his lawyer take victory lap over withdrawn January 6th subpoena. That was it set to expire today anyway. Former President Donald Trump loves golfing interior design that prominently features the color gold and declaring victory. In fact, he loves declaring victory so much, sometimes he does it when he didn't actually win. Or when the so-called victory was a relatively pointless one. That's the case with the withdrawal of the subpoena by the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. They've, they have sent me memes today. I haven't even brought up fucking Trump, and they've sent me memes about this. Ah. <sighs> 
with Republicans poised to retake control of the House in mere days when the new Congress is sworn in, they might be down they might be down a congressperson thanks to Santos and his lying. By the way, I didn't even put this one on the stories for tonight because I'm done talking about that stupid fuck, but just because I brought him up. He apparently said that his mom died in 9-11. That also, not true. So, Republicans poised to retake control of the House in mere days when the new Congress is sworn in on January 3rd. Any outstanding subpoenas issued by the committee were set to expire anyway. The ex-president reacted to the news that the committee was withdrawing the subpoena by channeling Frank Morgan's memorable portrayal of the wizard from 1939's beloved classic film, The Wizard of Oz. I am the great and powerful Trump. Pay no attention to the special counsel behind the curtain. Did he actually say that? Uh, I think that was Mediate taking some editorial uh, liberties there. Here is Trump's actual post. Was just advised that the unselect committee of political thugs has withdrawn the subpoena of me concerning the January 6th protest of the crooked, crooked in all caps, 2020 presidential election. They probably did so because they knew I did nothing wrong or they were about to lose in court. Perhaps the FBI's involvement in rigging the election played into their decision. In any event, the subpoena is dead. There is no January 6th committee anymore. This was totally a routine thing. Apparently the DOJ can take action separate from the committee. They can issue their own subpoena. And who knows, special counsel might do that. Jack Smith. But we are getting fresh information from the release of transcripts from the January 6th committee. All kinds of juicy tidbits. Trump's conspiracy theory about January 6th has been dealt a blow with the new transcripts. In the aftermath of January 6, 2021, conservatives and conspiracy theorists fixated on Ray Epps. Who is Ray Epps, you might ask? You might recognize him from this picture. Here he is. Uh, this might have been the day before, or this could have been the morning of January 6th. A picture of Ray Epps. They believe uh, Epps held the answer to why hundreds of then-President Donald Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol to overturn Joe Biden's victory because, of course, <laughs> they blame it on that one guy. Epps, they said, was a government plant that sowed the seeds of insurrection well before a crowd rushed the perimeter around the Capitol steps. Video taken by protesters the night before the riot showed Epps on the streets of Washington, D.C., encouraging physical intervention to stop the electoral count, a crowd blaring chants of Fed as he spoke. Another video showed him apparently telling attendees at Trump's speech on the ellipse to make their way to the U.S. Capitol after Trump himself urged the crowd to march and, later, at the front lines, working to push through the blockade. Far-right conspiracy theorists, members of Congress, and even former president himself suspected Epps as a potential tool of a sort of deep state conspiracy seeking to discredit Trump's movement. Namaste, Sherry. Welcome. Good evening. 
Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey scrutinized the January 6th Select Committee's decision to adjourn for the year without fulfilling its promise to release Epps' transcript. Trump earlier in the year appeared to endorse conspiracy theories on Truth Social involving Epps and his wife suggesting Epps was at the heart of a left-wing plot to stoke the flames of violence. Others aired their suspicions outright in the halls of Congress to the people best equipped to answer the question. Was Ray Epps a Fed? Texas Senator Ted Cruz asked Assistant FBI Director Jill Sanborn in a congressional hearing on the riot earlier this year. Senator, she responded, I can't answer that question. Epps's own words, however, can. After a lengthy delay, the January 6th Select Committee released transcripts on Thursday from a January 2022 interview with Epps, in which the Trump supporter denies having ever worked for the agency. We know he was an Oath Keeper. This is well documented. He did, however, confess to one-time membership in the Oath Keepers, an extremist group with a close association with the violence exhibited on January 6th, and expressed concern that activists involved with the leftist anti-fascist movement would be in attendance, looking to start trouble. Some text messages hinted at in the interview suggest Epps sought out medical supplies should the worst actually occur. Newsweek reached out to Massey and Cruz's offices, as well as former President Donald Trump, for comment. When he actually got to D.C., Epps, according to the transcripts, actually found himself playing peacekeeper between Trump supporters and the police, particularly involving the white supremacist media personality known as Baked Alaska. Epps, he told members of the committee, had words with Baked Alaska, telling him that this is not what we're about and that they need to stay focused on the task at hand and should not be antagonizing the police. But he also expressed concerns that the 2020 election had been marred by fraud and his desire to petition his government for uh, reconciliation, namely by entering the Capitol, a suggestion he posed to protesters antagonizing the police. I was trying to find some common ground, he told investigators. This guy was trying to turn people against me. He was calling me a boomer. You do look like a boomer, but maybe you're a Gen Xer. And it's his generation's fault that we're in the position we're in. Well, I... mm, I got caught up in the moment, he added. I said that... I, as you can tell, I didn't want to fight with anybody. I didn't want any violence. I was trying to prevent. If you had footage, body cam footage from the police, you would see even more of me trying to stop that stuff. The transcripts, all produced under oath, verify similar statements Epps had already made to members of the national media, as well as audio released by defense attorneys demonstrating Epps calling the FBI to explain himself after he was listed on a roster of January 6th suspects. Right-wingers have all asked, like, why he didn't get taken in. He's rich, motherfuckers. He is a multimillionaire. That's why. Despite efforts to clear his name and his own statements to the press, Epps said he has since been forced to start a new life for himself, selling his business in his Arizona home when the conspiracies about his name failed to disappear. You can't convince some people, he told the New York Times earlier this year. There are extremists out there that you'll never convince them that they're wrong. Buddy, buddy, you're one of the extremists. But this is wild to me that 
so often with the right, they'll 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 disavow you once you uh, actually follow through with their bullshit. The right will disavow you in a heartbeat. This guy's like, no, no, I believe the election was stolen. I went to try to help you fucks. But when it's politically convenient for them, they will turn they will turn on the true believers in a heartbeat. Let's talk about Don Jr. An ex-prosecutor was on CNN to detail what they saw uh, in the release of Don Jr.'s transcripts from his testimony with the January 6th committee. Obviously interesting just because, you know, he's the former president's son, right? Proximity to the former president. And they're asking him, of course, about... Dustin, good evening. ...as the riot unfolded on January 6th. And they're reading back to him text messages he exchanged with Mark Meadows. At one point, Don Jr. tells Mark... Chainsaw, good evening. ...President Donald Trump, his dad, has got to condemn this. And then he has, says an expletive. So the committee is asking him, you know, you said he's got to condemn it. What are you talking about? What did he have to condemn? And again, Don Jr. says the violence that's going on. Again, you know, I I think I made it pretty clear in my speech we can do this peacefully. You know, use your First Amendment rights. Do it that way. But, you know, violence has no place in this situation. And, Abby, of course, we know from our previous reporting on the Mark Meadows text how Meadows and others at the White House were just getting inundated from people, including the former president's kids, trying to get Donald Trump to call off the masses. And in this transcript, Donald Trump Jr. points out that he was often in contact with other White House aides. You know, he said when he tried to reach his dad at the White House, House, he would often get him through the White House operator because famously his father doesn't text, his father doesn't use emails. This is something that has stymied a number of investigators who have looked into Donald Trump, his sort of lack of a paper trail, and you get some more insight into it, into these transcripts. They also asked Donald Trump Jr. a lot about the fundraising efforts around the election. We saw the committee make a lot of how much. So he doesn't text or use email, but he tweets. Very truths now, but he used to tweet all the fucking time. Or has his Twitter always been just somebody who's tweeting out shit for him? Negan, you had the same thought. much money Donald Trump raised on these claims of election fraud. And Donald Trump Jr. sort of says, you know, you could send out things under my name as long as they were approved by legal. That was sort of the tacit agreement. He says he would occasionally be in touch with big dollar donors, but said dialing for donors was his idea of hell. Abby. Yeah, a lot of interesting things. A lot of uh, I don't knows and I don't recalls in these yes. transcripts as well. Sarah Murray, thank you. Let's discuss now with former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti and CNN senior political analyst Ron Brownstein. So, Renato, um, Renato, what's up? In these transcripts, you're seeing an effort, especially as we get closer into Trump's inner circle, to really try to uh, not say definitively whether or not a lot of things happen. But one thing that has kind of struck out in many of the transcripts is the role not you. of Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff at the time. He was at the heart of a lot of this because he was the person physically closest. We already talked about Andrew Tate. We also learned yesterday Cassidy Hutchinson saw him. 
throwing papers into a fireplace and burning them. From your perspective, what's next here for Mark Meadows? If you're a, if you're the special counsel looking into all of this, is there more that you want to learn from him, and will they be able to get those answers? It's a great question. I think that the the challenge for uh, Jack Smith is going to be the Fifth Amendment. Uh, if I was representing Mark Meadows, my, I would counsel him to take the Fifth and not testify whatsoever unless he received immunity. Uh, I think that, you know, the question is really going to be for Jack Smith. Does he have enough evidence to go? Well, Meadows already uh, turned over a bunch of shit to the January 6th committee. Uh, very fine criminal defense attorney and say, I'm going to indict your client if he does not cooperate. I think that's really the question here. Otherwise, the alternative would be to immunize Meadows in order to get his testimony against Trump, which is dangerous because Meadows uh, may try to cover for Trump. I, I will say, by the way, that I think it is apparent, you're absolutely right, Abby, from reading these transcripts, how much Meadows was uh, a key here. He was in many ways a, a funnel or a bottleneck for so many people to reach Trump that day. And Ron, I want to just stay on Don Jr. for a second yeah. and this issue of how he was able to or not able to get to his father. In these transcripts, it makes it very clear that Don Jr. Uh, thought it was imperative for his father to go some go to the Oval Office and say something, to do something. But he couldn't get through to Trump yeah. himself. What do you make of, of that? Just the fact that... Ma'am, uh, ma'am, 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 ma'am. Have you seen Don Jr.? Have you seen Eric? Would you take their calls? President's family, they weren't able to get this message through to him at such a critical moment. Well, to Renato's first point, I mean, it is about the centrality of the role of Mark Meadows and how he was really the hub, I think, or the funnel for so so much of this, including the efforts to communicate with him, the president, on that day. Can I focus, Abby, though, on another, just following up on another aspect of the Trump Jr. Uh, deposition that I think is really critical? Because as you know, I mean... I don't agree with Trump on virtually anything. But the fact that he doesn't take calls from Don Jr. and Eric, I'm totally behind him on that one. That makes perfect sense to me. I don't understand anything that motherfucker does or says. I understand that one totally. I don't know. I don't recall. I don't remember. If you take those words out, you might reduce it from 105 pages to five. But there <laughs> is one critical thing. There is one critical thing that he acknowledges. And, you know, in the report, the first mention of the idea of having state Republican controlled state legislate, legislators throw out the vote in their state and simply substitute Donald Trump electors is from Donald Trump Jr. to Mark Meadows two days after the election. It's somewhere around page 260 of the, um, of the report. And in this deposition, he's asked, where did he get that idea? And he acknowledges that it was, quote, a cut and paste from someone else, that it, he did not develop this himself. Uh, but he says, I don't remember who gave me the idea initially. I'm guessing that as Eastman. you investigate the fake elector scheme and the broader conspiracy to obstruct the official proceeding, that that is something that the special counsel is going to want to... Or it could have been the fucking overstock guy. Rather than just simply, I don't remember. He is saying that that idea, which I think is the first time it appears in the... Wildebeest, good evening. And Meadows responds, we are already working on it. So I think this, this, this yeah. is an uh, important insight into the genesis of the fake elector scheme. Renata, I wonder what you make of that. And also, 
somebody else's testimony in the transcripts. Let's talk about Lindsey Graham. Apparently, Lindsey Graham had a demand to find dead voters. After the riot had unfolded, but earlier on in this process, it was very clear that he was on Team Trump. And of course, we know since then he remains a close ally to the former president, Sarah. Yeah, I remember him saying Trump has not lost. I mean, that was a, it was a moment. Um, the January 6th committee um, withdrawing its subpoena of former President Trump. What As we covered, that means yeah, nothing. This is something that Donald Trump is claiming as a victory. In reality, it's a little bit more like housekeeping. We've seen the committee drop a number of their subpoenas now that their work is winding down. Last night, the chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson, notified one of Trump's attorneys that they were formally withdrawing the subpoena for testimony and documents for the former president, essentially saying, you know, our work here is done. Our ability to get this information from you has expired. The Trump team certainly uh, takes it as a victory. They had sued to block this subpoena, and they did succeed successfully keep the committee from getting records, from getting testimony from the former president. But of course, the committee didn't end by saying, you know, Donald Trump did nothing wrong. They ended by referring the former president. Making a criminal referral. Potential criminal prosecution. Sarah Murray, always great to have you on. Thank you for all of that. Let's discuss with CNN chief political analyst Gloria Borger and former deputy assistant. I want to talk about Lindsey Graham. That was the transition I made. Uh, Harry, I'll start with you. Uh, What stands out to you uh, from all this? Well, I'm just uh, rushing through it like everyone else, but the uh, the dialogue that Sarah underscored with Lindsey Graham, I thought was really eyebrow raising. Just find me five votes. That's not someone who wants to know the overall uh, state of play, someone who wants to figure out the truth and then be a warrior. It's a little reminiscent of Trump saying to Georgia, 
I just need 17,980 votes. Just give me a little bit and I'll be out there working it for all it's worth. In other words, plying the big lie and fraud claim whether or not the bona fides are there. That's one. And then second, we do have a team Trump here and that means a real profusion. You sort of gloss down the page and there's a lot of, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall. We'll see whether they are called into the grand jury by the Department of Justice and if that serves to sharpen their memories. Ooh. Well, we know we know Graham has already had to testify. He did his best to get out of it, but has, has had to testify in front of the grand jury that was impaneled in Atlanta. Here's another little tidbit that we learned from the transcripts released today. Jared Kushner tried to keep Biden out of the COVID planning during the the lame duck session. Cicero, good evening, by, uh, by the way. Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law, personally ordered the Biden administration be excluded from COVID-19 planning in the wake of the 2020 election, a January 6th committee witnesses claimed. In the days and weeks after Joe Biden defeated Mr. Trump, he frequently castigated the Trump administration for failing to enter a formal transition process in which new incoming staff are brought up to speed by their outgoing counterparts. With the nation gripped by the COVID-19 pandemic, he was particularly angered by uh, that by slowing the transition process, Mr. Trump's actions could lead to more deaths. Speaking in Delaware, two weeks after the election, uh, after election day, Mr. Biden said, if we have to wait until January 20th to start planning, it puts us behind. More people may die if we don't coordinate. It has now been revealed that that decision to bar the Biden administration from planning came from Mr. Kushner, according to new transcripts from the House Select Committee investigating January 6th. A former Trump administration official, Alyssa Farah Griffin, told the committee that Dr. Deborah Bricks, uh, who headed the White House's coronavirus task force under Mr. Trump, had in the days after the election day asked if the Biden team should be looped into plans to combat the pandemic. Absolutely not, Miss Griffin. And Mr. Kushner had told the meeting. The transcript of Ms. Griffin's interview with members of the January 6th committee is among hundreds of documents that have been released a week after the committee issued its final report and referred four criminal charges relating to Mr. Trump to the Department of Justice. I don't know if we ever actually got the rundown of everyone that got criminal referrals because they, they said Trump, Eastman, and others... I need to look into that and see if we got the official word. When we come back from the other side of the break, a Democrat wins in the Arizona Secretary of, I'm sorry, the uh, Arizona Attorney General race. Recount just completed today. The Nevada GOP has appointed an absolute nut job to a judgeship. We're going to go to Iowa for a former law clerk for Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch is telling people to arm up due to a woke county attorney. Woke prosecutor Larry Krasner is asking a, a court to stop his impeachment. 
We're going to move to the Home Depot founder who is apparently worried about capitalism. Says people don't want to work anymore. A white man is suing for his job back. Is that terms of service? Can I say it like that? White man. Is that racist if I do that? Is Twitch going to nuke me? A white man is suing. Is suing Verizon after he was caught singing DMX songs on a company phone. Dropped some N-bombs and got fired. I don't know what I think about this story. A family says they feel targeted by a racial slur that their neighbors wrote on their own house. We're going to Nashville where cops threaten to arrest Southwest passengers. Get you up on what's been going on with the saga of Southwest. Cops in Buffalo caught on camera telling people to go home and cook macaroni. Plus, it's the first day of recreational pot sales in New York City. And Stevie the the Chimpanzee has made his debut at the Knoxville Zoo. All that and more on the other side of the break here on the Troll Patrol live. This is WWE superstar and multiple time champion Seth Rollins. Seth is one of the top wrestlers in the industry and never in a million years would I expect that Seth would be spying on me, or at least following me on social media. You see, a few years ago around 2015 or 2016, Seth started referring to himself as Seth Freakin' Rollins. Now Justin, you may say, your name is Justin Freakin'. That's not very similar. And you'd be right. But I actually rebranded myself as Justin Freakin' after Rollins blatantly stole my gimmick. Before last year, I went by Justin Freakin' Mullins. Justin Freakin' Mullins. Justin Freakin' Mullins. I am on film and audio, calling myself Justin Freakin' Mullins several years before Seth Rollins. And if we take a trip in the Wayback Machine, we can see that I've actually been using the appellative since I was in high school. If this was Seth's only offense, I might let it slide. But recently he started referring to himself as the Monday Night Messiah. Hmm, I wonder where I have heard something like that before. I am the new media messiah. I am the new media messiah. Self-proclaimed new media messiah. The new media messiah. So, Seth, Since you and the WWE are clearly paying attention to me, consider this video your cease and desist to stop infringing on my intellectual property and issue me a check for a cut of that sweet merchandise money. Obviously, you and the WWE are big fans of my ideas, so maybe you should offer me a slot on the creative team. Anyone who has watched Raw in the past decade knows you could use the help. And if you're watching this video and you're not Seth Rollins, check out the links below to learn how you can contribute to my legal fund.
I got mad beef with Seth Rollins. Me and Seth don't get along. I was going to try to make some kind of joke about like a storyline that he's in right now and I have no clue what he's been doing. I hate that fucking song. I hate I hated the burn it down shit. And that's still in it. Like it still does that part. But then it's, it's got that like fucking oh, oh, oh. I don't like it. Seth Rollins is a thief. I see you, Tyler Black. Got my eyes on you. This is the last troll. This is the last regular Troll Patrol of the year. We'll have a New Year's Troll Patrol on Saturday. Guess I'll stick with you guys until midnight. We'll, we'll, we'll cover all the biggest stories of the year. We'll play some clips. Uh, there's some shit that I didn't put in. Like, I put a nine-hour best of up on YouTube, and there was shit I left off. I didn't put the C-SPAN call. We, we, we got to say Troll Patrol on C-SPAN. I didn't put that in the best of. I didn't put uh, Lance from the Surfs or Vosh shouting me out. It's a it's a pretty big deal, I would assume. So so we'll we'll do like some clips. We'll do countdowns of stories. We'll do fun shit. I've got like some best of the year shit. I've got like the top news bloopers of twenty twenty two. We'll have fun. I've got alcohol if 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 that is needed. I don't really drink, but it's New Year's, so. That would be the time. I gotta pack another bomb. Because I ain't high enough for this shit. Had to cash that out. Give me baggy. So yeah, and then we'll do. I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna do anything special for Sunday. That's the actual holiday. I would love to find myself a hot girl. Yeah, but it's not my freezer. And usually, okay. So at, like when I had my apartment a few months back. I would usually have liquor in the freezer, but it's like marinades. I would, I, I fucking love a bourbon uh, peppercorn marinade. I hate, I hate brown liquor. Uh, but I love a bourbon peppercorn. Bourbon peppercorn steak. Mm. Let me tell you, I'll get a, I'll get a cheap piece of skirt steak. And I'll beat that motherfucker up and put it in the crock pot. Put you some some bourbon, uh, some cracked black peppercorn, 
uh, some ginger, a little, you put a, like a two tablespoons of soy sauce, generous helping of Worcestershire sauce. Little, uh, if you got a little orange juice, you can do that because you need, you need something to, to cut through it. The ginger works well to cut through it. If you got a little orange juice, you can put a little orange juice in there. You got yourself a hell of a marinade. Make your, make yourself a big ass pot of mashed potatoes. So you get the skirt, you get the skirt steak out when it's all falling apart and shit. I'm like, my mouth is water just talking about it. Then you make you a, uh, you get you some cornstarch and you make you a slurry, right? Because, like, I cook this shit in the crock pot. So get you some cornstarch and you make yourself a slurry. Cornstarch and you put it in with your, uh, with your marinade that's in the crock pot. And you get it all nice and let it thicken up. And you got yourself a gravy to go on your mashed potatoes with that steak. You put that shit on bread. Holy fuck. That's a man's meal right there. Andrew Tate fucking ordering some kind of like shitty ass pizza. I'm sorry, Jerry's. I'm sure your pizza is lovely. But like, that's a man's meal. I just described a man's meal to you. Like that. That's how you take the toughest piece of steak and you make it into a delicacy, motherfuckers. Mm, oh yeah, well, okay, so here's the thing with a ribeye. If I'm, if I'm getting a real nice ribeye, I usually, uh, I usually do a butter baste with that. Break out the cast iron for the ribeye. Get a good sear on it. Stick that motherfucker in the oven for about 10 minutes, let it cook. Interior, get it back out. And you're, you're going to put the, you, you, by the way, fucking totally fucked my hand up one time. Always remember to you, because after you've had the cast iron in the fucking oven, <laughs> you got it back on the stove and shit, it's still going to be hot. So remember to use your, your pot holder, because I just grabbed the fucking handle and, ah, It was horrible, but then then you you baste the ribeye in like chop you up some garlic, get you some roasted garlic in the pan. You got a whole shit ton of but like fucking half a stick of butter. You, you just kind of like you're not even cooking the steak anymore at this point. Like the steak is done. This is more just a, like the sitting process, and you got it. You got your 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 skillet kind of tipped over, so you got your butter all bubbling down here, and you'll just baste it, baste that shit for about five six minutes. That butter get into every fucking crack of that ribeye, and that's the thing. See, like I use the marinades on the lesser cuts of steak. I'm doing a ribeye. I'm just setting that shit off with some garlic and butter and some rosemary. You got some rosemary. You can put that shit in there. You want to really taste the fucking meat. And that's, that's how you talk about food like a man, Andrew Tate. Give me, give me the views. 
I can talk about manly shit. I can tell you, I can tell you fucks how to be a real man and not like the, 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 whatever the fuck Andrew Tate's doing. He ain't no real man. He got owned by a, by a 19 year old. Got his ass arrested. <laughs> oh shit! Apparently, a fucking uh, he he says that his net worth is something like three hundred million. I saw somebody on Twitter being like, "You don't get that rich from being a social media influencer. You don't get you don't get that rich from being a social media influencer. You get that rich from being a fucking uh, uh, social media influencer." That's using his influence to start an MLM and charging fucking $50 to teach insecure men God knows fucking what. I don't even know, like, what, like, women suck, they can't drive. Is that all, is that all it is? Is that all they do? Women have cooties. Day trade? What does Andrew Tate know about day trading? I probably... As I say often... Which, that's the thing. I can't monetize. I can't monetize telling people that I don't know what I'm talking about. Neither do you. And neither does any other fucking person talking about economics or the market. Unelectable is cool, aren't they? Tickles you? I, so like, I, I will own up to the fact that like maybe a thousand of my followers are um, not necessarily bots, but from that hate raid, like a bunch of people followed me that night and I guess they're just like burner accounts that they use to troll people and they just never unfollowed me. I'll own up to that fact. So like my real numbers on Twitch are probably around like a thousand, twelve hundred, something like that. I don't see, I don't pay attention to what anybody else is doing. I don't get in on the Twitch. Apparently the Twitch drama is where you get the viewers from. But I promise you, like, I will I will go on panels when invited, which apparently is not very often. I get invited on weed panels. Inadvertently helping my channel, indeed. Indeed, Porg. Because it makes me it makes me look good. Like, I've been picking on Fabian for Liberty on on Twitter. And I I think I I think I annoy the shit out of that motherfucker. And I I think like uh he doesn't want to engage with me. Every time that he has responded back, it's been, uh, you have a bunch of bot followers. You you have 6,000 subscribers on YouTube, but you only get 20 or 30 views a video. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Am I supposed to debate somebody? I don't... Tate is like, uh, his accent comes from like, he has dual citizenship. It's like a, a Connecticut and 
a British accent together. It's real weird. Uh, but I don't think anybody brought up, you know, that he was a white man. I brought up white man in relation to another story that we're gonna that we're gonna talk about here in a little bit. The white man suing uh, Verizon. Fucking sparkles. That was something that she used to say to me all the like fucking the white man. White man won't pass me around. Talking about me. That Andrew Tate is uh, uh, possibly gay? That would make sense. All right, good evening. So glad to see you, my friend. Andrew Tate made you question your atheism. I'm not high enough for this shit. Repression makes people do some weird fucked up shit. I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt it. You couldn't, uh, which I mean, I would assume there's openly gay people in the kickboxing community. Gay people work out at gyms. Really buff gay people work out at gyms, I assure you. I know them. So I'm, is everybody still, like... I would assume that community is more progressive than most. But perhaps there is a lot of toxic masculinity, and I don't know. I don't fucking... I don't work out. I'm not around the muscle heads. But I know a lot of fucking gay people that are are bodybuilders and shit. Love to fucking work out. So I... I totally make sense. Repression makes people do some fucked up shit. Fuck Henry Gissinger. I can't wait. I can't wait until the day I'm reporting on his death. I would assume, I would assume it's going to happen. It's going to be wild if Henry Kissinger outlives me or outlives the Troll Patrol. (laughs) Fucking Rush Limbaugh. As a conservative, it's getting harder and harder to not look like a kook. He's going to outlive all of us. It's, there's going to be a nuclear fallout, and goddamn, the only thing that's going to be able to survive is Henry Kissinger. That's what I was like. I can't. I wouldn't say most of the men in gyms are gay, but I'm like, good 30, 40%. A sizable amount. But also, I don't know enough about it. But it just, that's the way it seems to me. This is strictly anecdotal. But I've I've known a lot of buff daddies. Most men in gyms are gay. And most men that do gay porn are straight. It's a crazy 
topsy-turvy world we live in. I hope I just, I hope I just blew somebody's mind there. I saw where Russia set off a bunch of missiles and shit. Like, I'm, I'm, foreign affairs is not really my thing. I mean, we check in on it. We do probably need to check in on Russia. We will talk about Russia and Ukraine on Saturday. Because that will definitely be one of the top stories of the year. Nuking yellows, I take that with a grain of salt. Uh, does Russia even have the capabilities to hit Yellowstone with a new? Most of this fucking year, it is it has consumed a lot of what we have covered here on the Troll Patrol. I had to uh, go back on. I, I didn't believe the U.S. State Department when they were saber-rattling uh, Russia can attack Ukraine any day now. I'm like, oh, now come on. It's some bullshit. They just wanted to sell some arms. And it actually happened, so, like, I had to apologize. But, I mean, I, I think being skeptical of the U.S. Uh, State Department in most instances is a pretty good bet. Let's go to Arizona. The Democrat has won the Arizona Attorney General race after a recount. This is Chris Mays, the incoming Attorney General. A recount of votes has confirmed Democrat Chris Mays narrowly defeated Republican Abraham Hamadeh in the Arizona Attorney General's race, one of the closest elections in state history. And apparently he was a Trump-supported candidate. The highly anticipated results announced on Thursday in Maricopa County Superior Court are among the last in the country to come out of November's election and solidified another victory for Democrats who shunned election fraud conspiracies in what used to be a solidly Republican state. With Hamadez's defeat, Republicans running statewide in battleground states who spread foreign President Donald Trump's false claim that the 2020 election was stolen have all lost their races. Of course, Carrie Lake is still saying she won. Even after the court smacked her down. They need, they need to uh, sanction her. Mays finished 280 votes ahead of Hamada, down from a lead of 511 in the original count. The reason for the discrepancy was not immediately clear. I'm excited and ready to get to work as your next attorney general and vow to be your lawyer for the people, Mays said in a statement. Judge Timothy Thomason, who also announced the results of recounts in two other races, said Republican Tom Horn prevailed in the race for state superintendent of public instruction, uh, and Republican Liz Harris won a state legislative seat in the Phoenix suburbs. The automatic recounts were required because the races were so close. Z3X, welcome my friend. How are you this evening? And if you'd been watching the whole show, you'd already know that. We do the news here. I keep you up on what's going on on the news. We find out what that news be doing here on this show. 
The GOP has appointed a failed politician to a judgeship, despite her having zero judicial experience. This is going on in Nevada, and this is what she looks like. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't sign up for OnlyFans if she had one. I'm not saying that, like, mommy. <laughs> I'm like. You live in sexual anarchy. But, like, it seems like she's very unqualified for the position that GOP has appointed her for. Michelle Fiore. A Republican politician has been appointed to a Nevada judgeship, even though she has no prior legal or judicial experience. She has also previously been accused of obstructing an investigation into her own business and once said it's okay to point a gun at federal officers. I mean, that's kind of based. Fiore will fill a seat on the Parump Justice Court in Nye, uh, Nye County, Located about 65 miles west of Las Vegas, county commissioners unanimously appointed her to the judgeship. She will serve on the court through 2024. I mean, like, you can ask for order in my courtroom. She told commissioners that she would oversee the judicial appointment with integrity and honesty because she has been at the end of the political barrel. <laughs> However, it seems she ended up at the end of that barrel largely due to her own fault. In 2015, Nevada State... So she's arguing that... She's arguing that she's qualified to be a judge because she's been in trouble with the law. Ma'am, I was facing 5 to 10 at one time. Can I be a judge? In 2015, Nevada state regulators revoked the license of her home health business after she refused to show financial records during an investigation of an alleged Medicaid fraud. Of course. That same year, she made statements against transgender people using changing facilities matching their gender identities. Ma'am, why you gotta do that? Just just base, just judging a book by its cover, I was kinda into you. I have a I have a I have a specific type I like. In 2016, she said it was okay to point a gun at law enforcement officers if they point a gun at you first. I kind of agree with her on that one. I would never ever point my firearm at anyone, including an officer of the law, unless they pointed their firearm at me. We encourage kicking authority in the balls around He's here. kicking authority in the balls. Now, once you point your firearm at me, I'm sorry, then it becomes self-defense. So whether you're a stranger, a bad guy, or an officer, and you point your gun at me, and you're going to shoot me, and I have to decide whether it's my life or your life, I choose my life. The Nevada Association of Public Safety Officers called her statement utterly irresponsible and an embarrassment and a demonstration of why she's unfit to hold national office. 
Though Fiore was a member of the Nevada Assembly from 2012 to 2016 and a member of the Las Vegas City Council from 2017 until her appointment into the judgeship, she launched a failed 2022 election bid to become the Nevada State Treasurer and a failed 2016 bid to become a state representative in the U.S. House. We're going to go to Iowa now, where a former law clerk for Neil Gorsuch is telling people to arm up due to a woke county attorney. So the GOP in Nevada can appoint somebody who says it's okay to point guns at federal officers. And that's totally cool. But over in Iowa... This asshole is telling people to arm up due to a woke county attorney. Mike Davis, a former law clerk to current Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, urged his fellow Iowans on Thursday to arm up due to a woke county attorney taking office in the state. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Dear Des Moines, arm up, wrote Davis on Twitter. The new woke Polk County attorney won't protect you, he warned ominously. Davis's biography details his long history working on the appointment of federal judges as the former chief counsel for nominations to Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley. Davis is currently the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, A3P, Defends constitutional judges and the rule of law. Dear Des Moines, arm up. Oh, I can't. I was I was gonna go to his Twitter. Davis shared uh, an article from the Des Moines Register profiling Kimberly Graham, the new Polk County attorney. The article details Graham's winning platform. Graham, who takes office in January, ran on promises to improve. The diversion programs for juveniles, good, and nonviolent offenders, reduce the use of cash bail, good, and address racial and income disparities in prosecution and sentencing, good. Her vision for change in Polk County's top legal job has made her one of Des Moines uh, Register's 2023 people to watch. Sounds awesome. The article notes that Graham differs from her predecessor on a variety of issues, particularly on marijuana prosecutions. Where is my bong? So that's what they mean by woke. A progressive. She has other pledges to implement, including ending low-level marijuana prosecution and cash bail for many nonviolent offenses. In these areas that the contrast to her predecessor is most clear, Tarcone was first elected in 1990, running on a platform of aggressive prosecutions during an era of rising crime. So he's one of those. I guess this Tarcone guy was the former uh, county attorney. Four, good evening. 
Speaking of woke prosecutors, one of the most high-profile woke prosecutors, woke prosecutors in the country was in court today attempting to fend off an impeachment by the state legislature. We're going to Philadelphia, where Larry Krasner was in court. The judge has the ability to uh, throw out the impeachment case against Krasner. Meanwhile, Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner's legal team was in court today, arguing why the impeachment proceedings against him should not continue. In a 22-page filing submitted last week, they argued the House has no authority to impeach local elected officials over a difference in ideals. It's not clear if the judges will issue a ruling before Krasner's impeachment trial is set to begin in the Senate on January 18th. That is definitely something to watch. January 18th. Pennsylvania court is weighing whether to step in and stop the legislature's impeachment proceeding against Philadelphia's district attorney. The separation of powers and where legislative authority stops and the courts begins were central to arguments in court over a lawsuit by district attorney Larry Krasner, a Democrat challenging the state legislature's attempt to remove him from office. A four-judge Commonwealth Court panel split evenly between Democrats and Republicans weighed precedent and authority in nearly two hours of arguments. In his lawsuit, Krasner asked the court to halt the impeachment proceedings against him and declare that not only uh, that the Republican-controlled General Assembly lacks constitutional authority to remove local officials like him, but that the claims against him do not rise to the impeachable standard of misbehavior in office. Krasner, who was overwhelmingly re-elected by Philadelphia voters last year, has not been charged with a crime or been sanctioned by a court. He has dismissed the House's November 16th vote to impeach him as taking aim at his ideas, a notion Democratic Judge uh, uh, Ellen Sessler echoed during Thursday's entirely virtual proceedings. It seems to me that these impeachment proceedings are based on disagreement with public policy and an elected official's discretion. Sessler said, I think that this proceeding could set terrible precedent in the future. Here, here, motherfuckers. This proceeding is clearly politically motivated. But it is progressive reforms that have the powers that be really nervous. I would like to illustrate that to you right now. The story about the Home Depot founder. Oh shit, hold on. Let me get a different browser. I'm gonna lock us out. This is Bernie Marcus. This motherfucker says he's worried about capitalism. Uh, I'd say for good reason. The list of potential obstacles to entrepreneurial success in the U.S. today is long, according to Bernie Marcus, co-founder of Home Depot. I wonder why that is. Could be because of assholes like you. 
human resource executives, government bureaucrats, regulators, socialists. Gotta blame the socialists. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Harvard graduates, MBMA, MBA, MBAs, Harvard MBAs, lawyers, accountants, Joe Biden, the media, and the woke people. That's, that's who's to blame. Come on, man. The 93-year-old retailer and billionaire is adamant. If he and co-founder Arthur, Arthur Blank tried to launch Home Depot today, we would end up with 15, 16 stores. I don't know that we could go further. I don't know that you could have 15 or 16 stores, motherfucker. As it is, the company's unmistakable orange branding is found on 2,300 warehouse-sized do-it-yourself stores across North America, and the group has a market capitalization of $300 billion in annual revenue of more than $150 billion. I'm worried about capitalism, Marcus says in a video interview uh, from his home in Boca Raton, Florida. Capitalism is the basis of Home Depot, and millions of people have earned this success and had success. I'm talking manufacturers, vendors, and distributors, and people that work for us who have been able to enrich themselves by the journey of Home Depot. That's the success. That's why capitalism works. Buddy, if capitalism works so well, why are you worried? If capitalism worked so goddamn well, you would have no reason to worry about it. You wouldn't have to worry about the socialists or the Wokies. We wouldn't be able to do anything about the system. What's wild to me is that it, it takes armies and governments to keep capitalism in place. Modern counterparts of Marcus and Blank are still out there, the veteran retailer believes, but there is no longer as much incentive to take the risk they took when they opened two stores in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know what you mean. Like, it's it's hard to take the risk of opening a store because you're going to get snuffed out by a store like Home Depot. I can't go and open a home goods store and compete with Lowe's and Home Depot, motherfucker. That's 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 not the the fault of the wokies. That's capitalism. How are these people so goddamn dumb? Or are they are they actually smart and they know what they're doing? They they know they know. A year after they were abruptly but fortuitously sacked by the home improvement chain they headed. Thanks to socialism, he says, nobody works. Nobody gives a damn. Just give it to me. Send me money. I don't want to work. I'm too lazy. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. That's what this dumb fuck had to say. Man, I'm upset that he gave you a video interview and we don't have the video attached. I know you're a publication, but come on. This is this is 2023 almost. We're so fucking close. We're a cunt hair away from 2023. 
Learn to embed video inside your stories. I would have loved to have seen those words come out of his smarmy little mouth. You guys like DMX? Rest in power, DMX, right? I got the Rough Riders anthem in my head right now. White employee sues for... I'm, I'm not going to make the mistake this motherfucker made and start singing. DMX rapping, hip-hopping, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I'm not, I'm not going to make this motherfucker's mistake. I'm going I'm to keep my DMX lyrics to myself. A white employee sues Verizon after he's caught using the N-word while discussing DMX on a company phone. Oh, God, this is great. A Caucasian man named Peter Kelly is suing Verizon for wrongful termination. Kelly, who worked for the company for more than 20 years, alleges management fired him in May of 2021 for using the word, the N-word with the with the, the A on the end while discussing DMX on a company phone. So, like, he wasn't just singing a song. So I don't, I don't, I don't know about this. You know, it's one thing if you're quoting a lyric. I, I probably shouldn't do it anytime. Replace that word. You know, I bet this motherfucker, if he sings a love song, he would, re- he would replace the, like, if he, if he sing a love song written by a woman to a man, he would replace the gendered lyrics. You know he would. He alleges that management fired him in May of 2021 for using the word N N I G G A while discussing DMX on a company phone, according to documents obtained by All Hip Hop. Kelly is attempting to recover damages for Verizon's unlawful discrimination against Kelly in violation of the Na- National Labor Relations Act. I don't think that's what that's for. This action also arises out of a breach of plaintiff's union defendant communication workers of America of the duty to provide fair representation and of the breach of plaintiff's employer defendant Verizon New York Inc. of the collective bargaining agreement. As explained in the docs, Verizon hired Kelly as a field technician in 2000. After many years of exemplary employment, the native New Yorker says he was fired without cause They had cause, motherfucker. Following a conversation he had the month prior, Kelly says on April 6, 2021, three days before DMX died, he took a personal call while on his lunch break. In discussing DMX's music, plaintiff used the N-word, which is a word commonly used by the artist himself in his lyrics. Unbeknownst to plaintiff, he had inadvertently answered a call on his company's cellular phone, and a Verizon employee who listened to his private call for approximately 45 seconds overheard him say the N-word. 
Subsequently, Kelly was suspended pending an internal investigation for discrimination and harassment. He was fired less than a month later for violating Verizon's discrimination and harassment policy. Kelly and his attorney argue, despite this alleged zero-tolerance policy, certain employees routinely use words like bitch, cunt, the N-word, N-word and shit. I'm sorry, I should hit the content warning for this one. Such language is used in the presence of management-level employees. Yet when it is used by a female employee, an African-American employee, and or a Hispanic employee, none is reprimanded or disciplined in any way. Well, yeah... As a result, Kelly is seeking all forms of relief recoverable under the statute sued here and under, including uh, compensatory damages, back pay, and reinstatement. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you for the distinction, Tones. One had a hard R, and the other had a hard A. (laughs) Is it hard A? Uh, that's his argument. Yeah, that's his argument. And I mean, it's hard telling how a judge is going to rule in this case. I wouldn't doubt that he wins. I'm just saying. Do I do I need to hit the content warning for this one too? A family feels unsafe because of what one of their neighbors has spray painted on their own house. Says they feel targeted by a racial slur that was written on a neighbor's house. Fox 12 So Young Kim spoke with the family who says this isn't the first time they've dealt with this neighbor. She joins us now live from Westland with more on this story. I have not watched this. I've not read this story. I bet the neighbor that is employing the racial slur. I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in this story, if we're like taking a look at her house or something, we're going to discover she's a Trump supporter. It just makes perfect sense. So young. Nora, the racial slur was written on a house down the road here on Sunset Avenue. The family who feels it was directed towards them says not enough is being done to keep them safe. The Channel family says they've lived in West Lynn for decades. We've been there, I think, almost 22 years now, coming up uh, the new year. I love West Lynn, have some great friends. But they say they've been having issues with one particular neighbor. Oh, West Lynn, I don't know what state this is in. Oregon, this is West Lynn, Oregon. For several years. We've been calling the police because of uh, just escalating behavior, whether it's the screaming day in, day out. I mean, the breaking her own windows. Andre spoke with us while traveling outside of the country. He says he received a disturbing call from another neighbor on Christmas Day. And he was like, you know, hey, uh, 
just want to let you know, you know, your neighbor uh, wrote the N-word all across her house. This is the crossing the line point. This is new. Westland police say they responded to this bias incident and say they painted over the... Okay, who is like the editor at the at the news station? Use like the blur tool on probably not Photoshop. And... <laughs> That is a horrible way to blur that out. Ma'am, you should have created a new layer and applied a glossy and blur. You can then mask it out. You can then bring it down. I, I have applied for jobs as executive producer at TV station. I, I've said this, like I would be a great executive producer, uh, deciding what's going to go on the air as well as helping teach reporters how to use the equipment. How to edit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting off topic here. This is this is a horrible story about a family being targeted by racism. I just want to let you know. Simp, good evening. neighbor uh, wrote the N-word all across her house. This is the crossing the line point. This is new. Westland police say they responded to this bias incident and say they painted over the racist language. The Channel family says they feel targeted and they hope police can do more to help. When you're telling us someone is a danger to themselves, now you're telling us that you know, they're also a danger to others. So far, they say they haven't seen any results from investigators. It seems like we keep getting the, the, the runaround in regards to there's a process to this, there's a process to that. My daughters, you know, shouldn't have to worry about, like, you know, being at home wondering if what's going to happen next. But it looks like a, a quaint little neighborhood. to remain positive and says it won't ruin his love for his neighborhood. I'm not going to let one person force me out of a neighborhood in a city that I love. We should be able to come home and feel safe, period. I don't understand what the fuck. ...going and ask anyone with information to contact police. Live in Westland, so young Kim Fox 12. What good does it do them to spray paint a racial slur on their own goddamn house? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Lady B, good evening. You guys totally could have got all the Andrew Tate news at the top of the show if you if you've been here on time. We we totally already covered that, made fun of Andrew Tate. It's like one dude like came in and was like, uh, Andrew Tate's already been released. Yeah, we covered that. We covered that he he was only being held for twenty four hours. We, we a news show. We gonna take care of you. We doing the news. So I'm 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 creating that fear of missing out. And so that's why you, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to uh, to to train my audience to be here 8 p.m. Eastern. You don't you don't want to miss a second of this stream. So Southwest. Still dealing with their delays and bullshit. And if you if you missed out on any details, you don't need Lady B to catch you up. I will totally have the, the stories posted on YouTube. You should have been here and, and laughing about Andrew Tate. 
We we do the we do the news. We found out the news. You don't have to come in and tell me about the news. I assure you, we we uh no I'm not upset, no. It's just like I've I've been trying to figure out how to how to deal with this. Like I want to create a I want to use it to promo the show, right? Like when people come in like, oh did you hear about this? Yeah, I heard about it. We we, we did that story. Here, let me promote my YouTube and shit. Don't don't miss don't miss the stream. We do we do the news. Always be selling exactly. It's, but like I come across as an asshole a lot. So <laughs> So it's 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 hard to like, you know, walk that fine line. I want to I want to promo the show and everything, create that fear of missing out. But also I come across like a, a like a dickwad. Shave, if I shave my head, I'll look nicer. I don't think so. I think I'm gonna look weird. And if if we uh uh said, yeah, don't miss the new. What up, Starlight? If if we get a Trump indictment, I'm afraid of what I'm gonna look like with a bald head. But luckily, I've got the beanie over here. So I can always do, well, I am an asshole. You're right, clinically. But I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to, I don't want to, if I'm going to try to cultivate an audience, I can't be an asshole, especially to my audience. (laughs) It doesn't work like that, right? I've got a beanie, so if I need to do the Tim Pool thing, I can always do the Tim Pool thing if I don't look good with with the shaved head. All right, so let's go to Nashville, where Southwest still fucking it up. Smash. I I would love it. To, here's the thing. Like I've read the how to how to win friends and influence people, and I think that's manipulation. So like that's that's the art of you know how to get people to like you. But like reading the book makes me feel dirty because it's like how to manipulate people and get them to do what you want. So I get like, I want people to like me for me being me, but also I'm not a very likable person. So I got to settle for, you know, when I'm doing stand up, I know I'm only going to appeal to 20, 30% of the audience. But if I make 20, 30% of the audience laugh their asses off, I did a good job. And I'm happy. I don't know. That's a that's a whole tangent we went off on there. I just want to kick authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. Let's find the authorities at, at South Southwest Airline and kick them in the balls. They seem like they need it. These cops. Um, I'm just me. I love your face. Thank you for being here. A 
passenger that was going to fly southwest was almost arrested by the cops at the Nashville airport. In the terminal. Families stuck here in Nashville after their flight was delayed several times. They claim an officer with the airport threatened to arrest them while waiting in the terminal. The whole incident caught on camera, too. The family tells our Mai Owens that the ordeal was inappropriate, unnecessary, and shocking. In a TikTok video now gone viral, a family documenting their encounter Christmas Day. I thought that um, it would be best to start recording because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Always record when you got the cops in your business. From the Nashville International Airport, you can hear a BNA officer threatening to arrest these passengers. You said you're going to arrest people for trespassing yes. for being at a ticket counter for a If you don't have a valid ticket and you're on the secured side and refuse to leave, you will be arrested. It was absolutely shocking to experience that. I think that the comments were meant to strike a chord of fear. Might be the name of the airport. And honestly, um, for a moment, uh, fear rose up. Something Nashville airport. A righteous indignation kind of rose up as well. I didn't think that he would be that crazy to do that in front of everybody. The two were headed to spend the weekend with family when they were. Now, get, what he's saying is that Southwest and then delayed again. But the insult to Southwest uh, doesn't have a flight for them. So therefore, their ticket's not valid, so they're wanting to kick them out of the airport. You're on the secured side and refuse to leave, you will be arrested. It was absolutely shocking to experience that. I think that the comments were meant to strike a chord of fear, and honestly, um, for a moment, uh, fear rose up, but then um, a righteous indignation kind of rose up as well. I didn't think that he would be that crazy to do that in front of everybody. The two were headed to spend the weekend with family when they received notification that their Southwest flight was delayed and then delayed again. But the insult to injury was our, our treatment by the authorities there at the airport. The officer in the video claims their flight was canceled. Therefore, their ticket was not valid and they. Like, where are they going to go? If, if, if they're at an airport, like, they probably can't go home. They're trying to go home. They've been somewhere. They're going to have to stay in the airport. They're going to have to hang out for a bit and make some plans because Southwest fucked them. They had to leave. But Shelly and Amani say that wasn't true, and it wasn't until a little after 4 o'clock in the morning when their flight was officially canceled. All the information we had received from Southwest was contrary to uh, what he stated um, in our first encounter with him. News 2 reached out to the BNA airport for a comment on the incident. We were given a statement saying in port, we understand and appreciate the frustrations travelers may have, and we are working to provide the best passenger experience for all. There was no belligerent behavior, uh, no disrespect towards the officer or any other officers. And so I think- You should have. Um, uh, the airport while um, timely, uh, was not complete. There needs to be an appropriate address to the officer's conduct. And the family tells me they are now hopeful by sharing their story. It'll serve as an example to others. In the meantime, they're still stuck here in Nashville without any luggage. The airline telling them the earliest they'll be able to leave is this Saturday. Reporting at Nashville International Airport, Myelance, News 2. Wow. Wow. Everybody all the way around the fucking Southwest is shit. That airport cop is shit.
Speaking of Southwest, uh, let's hear from Greg Stinchfield on Newsmax. Let's hear what the problem is with Southwest. You think he's going to say it's capitalism? He's going to say it's capitalism, right? The media is absolutely, totally inept. I believe the United States of America is under attack. Buddy, the media employs you. You are a host on a media outlet. I agree. The fact that you got hired proves that the media is absolutely inept. Specifically, Southwest Airlines. So Southwest claims it's had to cancel thousands of flights because of what? A winter storm. Give me a break. Southwest has been through plenty of winter storms before. We've never seen this happen. It is my estimation, my presumption, that Southwest Airlines is the victim of a cyber hack. Some kind of attack on Southwest Airlines, maybe by Russia, maybe by China, maybe by Iran, maybe by North Korea, any one of the bad actors, maybe all of them working together. Either way. All of them working together, Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran all got together to make sure nobody could go home after Christmas on Southwest. Way. This doesn't add up, and yet the media refuses to see it or even ask the questions. Is Southwest being attacked by one of our enemies? Is Russia sending a message to the United States that it is in our critical infrastructure systems? It is certainly possible. It could be probable. And we should be looking into this. So the Department of Transportation says it's going to probe what happened. I believe the FBI and the CIA ought to be probing what happened here because I think it's bad actors. I thought you guys hated the FBI. And the media refuses to report on it. Sad that you don't have your own outlet where you can report on it. Stitchfield. They're running on an antiquated scheduling system. Uh, there is an outbreak of COVID, RSV, and influenza. There was a a a once in a lifetime, probably like once in a once every couple of years storm. Now these Arctic uh, Arctic uh, what, what what was it called? It's a bomb cyclone. The Arctic air coming down, Arctic blast. This is just going to happen every year now. It's supposed to be like a once in a lifetime storm. It's just going to happen every year now, thanks to climate change. All these things, an Arctic blast. Wait a minute, wasn't that a wasn't that a uh, Dairy Queen thing? You can get an Arctic blast, or maybe it was a Sonic. I don't know. Maybe I got food on the mind now. I'm kind of hungry. But it was just a it was a whole confluence of events. They also haven't hired their full staff back. They they laid a bunch of people off for COVID and like a third of their employees they didn't bring back. So they're operating on this lean staffing. They get hit by this storm. There There's this triple pandemic of, of influenza and respiratory illness. All these things together are causing the delays with Southwest. The, the system is so antiquated that the staff, the flight attendants, the pilots and everything, they're having to call, the call in to, to Southwest and let them know where they're at. There's no tracking of their employees. 
So everybody has to call in manually. And the wait time, the first night they were having to call in was like 23 hours for one person. So Stinchfield, that's what it is. It's not a cyber attack from Russia. Though those are becoming more and more prevalent. A lot of companies do not tell when they have been. Uh, There's a lot of cyber ransoms happening. And a lot of companies don't actually let you know that they have been held up. A lot of them just pay it. Speaking of the storm that was part of the confluence of events that led to the Southwest cancellations. It also, uh, yeah, it's stock buybacks. That plays into the lean staffing. That storm that helped cause the the turbulence with Southwest. I was being punny there. It also killed a bunch of people in Buffalo. And while the cops were out uh, patrolling the streets of Buffalo after this storm in the aftermath, they decided to harass some people. Out on the road. There is a driving ban. Driving ban. You don't need to go to 7-Eleven. Look some macaroni in your pantry. Why are you out on the road? There is a driving ban. Driving ban. You don't need to go to 7-Eleven. Look some macaroni in your pantry. Why are you out Go fucking cook the macaroni in your pantry? Driving ban. Driving Cook the macaroni in your pantry. Buffalo cop uses loudspeaker to tell driver to go home. Hassan Sadiq told Storyful that he was walking to the store when he witnessed the peculiar scene. In the footage, a white car is making its way through the heavy snow, a police vehicle following closely behind. Sadiq said that he started recording when the officer talked because it was funny to me. (laughs) It's funny to me too. That's why I played it. Storyful reached out to the Buffalo Police Department for comment on the video, but did not hear back by the time of publication. Cook the fucking macaroni in your pantry. Cook the fucking macaroni in your pantry. Well, if you don't need to go to 7-Eleven, why is the 7-Eleven open? They could, they could have been driving. They could have been driving because of the snow. They thought it might take them a few days to be able to get to New York City. And they were on their way down to NYC to buy some legal fucking pot. Recreational marijuana sales started today in New York City. York City event. Take a look at this gentleman behind us, all dressed in pink. Um, there are so <laughs> many New York characters here on opening day of the Housing Works Cannabis Company storefront here on Broadway and 8th Street. So many people here said they just had to be part of history, so they got on a very long line. The line started forming at noon today here at the former Gap store on Broadway and 
and 8th. The, the line wraps around the corner down Astor Place. Four hours later, the first customer was able to buy two joints for $50. His name is Darren Darone Hudson, and he was considered what, what, what the fuck were in those joints? Were they wrapped with fucking gold rolling papers? What the what the fuck? Did Salt Bay sell those fucking joints? God damn! Darone Hudson, and he was considered a social justice customer because he'd been arrested for marijuana use. Uh, we're at like two thirds of the country now, Lady V. So it's a little bittersweet for me because I was part of the the the. the uh, era when you wasn't able to buy legally so now that we're able to buy legally it's it's a, it's a great feeling i was arrested for um i was arrested for having marijuana um when i was in college i went to john jay college and um at that time um it, it just affected me because i paid a big fine i was 19 years old wasn't able to pay the big fine it took me a long time so yes um it He's getting emotional about it. I don't blame him. How does it feel to be the first? Oh, it feels great, man. He went to jail for that shit. Now he can just buy it legally. I mean, all of New York's around me right now, so you know, it's a, it's a cool feeling to be a part of that. Yes, all of New York is around Ken Wooden right now. The Housing Works Cannabis Company storefront here closes at 7 p.m. tonight, reopens at 11 in the morning. It's cash only, and all proceeds go... Wait, is it legal on the street? Like, like you, you can just be out on the street smoking now? Problems. I would, I would figure you still had to be in like some sort of uh, like a smoke shop or a, uh, like usually there's like a like marijuana bars you gotta go to. That dude, that dude was just cheaping right there on the street. I mean, awesome. I'm into it, and it's just in time. They're getting everybody high in New York City just in time. You will be able to see all seven planets in the sky through the end of the year. Now, you're going to have to drive outside of New York City. There's a whole lot of light pollution. You ain't going to be able to see the planets in New York City. However, upstate New York, you've got places where there's no light pollution. You can, you can make that happen. The all seven planets in the sky through the end of the year. If you missed your chance to see this amazing celestial event back in June, don't fret because you'll get your second chance to witness it beginning tonight and into the next few days. All seven planets will be visible to either the naked eye or with the help of binoculars for the next few nights. According to Rick Feinberg, senior contributor, editor uh, for Sky and Telescope, and a senior advisor to the American Astronomical Society. The best time to view all seven planets will be just after the sun sets. So you probably missed your, your best chance for tonight. Remember that for tomorrow night. But if you are not having the best weather and clear skies aren't in your forecast, you can also enjoy a live stream view of the planets. Ooh. Well, let's do that then. 
Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn will all be visible with the naked eye, although binoculars are always welcome. And since Mercury tends to be a little more difficult to spot, since it's so small and far, binoculars are a must in order to view the swift planet. Jupiter and Mars are extremely bright, brighter than any star, and higher in the sky, so they should be easy to spot. Uranus, Neptune... You'll definitely need binoculars, but a telescope is probably the best way to truly appreciate these blue heavenly wonders. I thought we had a live stream. Is it? I guess they were streaming it just after dark, maybe? You're in Photoshop right now. I should have even uh, a detail. This is uh, Mercury alone with Venus gone just behind the trees. This dot, solitary dot of light, is planet Mercury. So with Mercury, we are just looking at the innermost planet in our solar system, the one orbiting on the, the smaller orbit. Don't it's forget Earth is also visible. Just at the beginning of the planetary <laughs> family. It is the planet orbiting at the minimum distance, the shortest distance from the sun. The Earth from Uranus. So planet Mercury, okay? Here we have uh, Mercury and Venus before Venus disappeared behind the trees. Venus is the brightest dot on the bottom, while uh, Mercury... It's considerably the, broader. The fainter dot on the top. I think this way you should be able to spot things a bit better. I want to show you. We're still in Photoshop. Like, do we not have a, like, a live camera? I thought we were getting a live camera. And then coming, uh, quickly coming back and share with you what I saw. And I hope this will bring to you this uh, hopefully nice... This seems like a cool resource. So if you want to play around with this website, I'm going to hit it in the chat there. That was super cool. You know what else is super cool? Chimpanzees. I like chimpanzees. Stevie the chimpanzee, who was fucking cute as shit, makes public debut at the Knoxville Zoo. Come see Stevie. Yes, there's discussion to have about ethics of zoos. But I can't help but show you that adorable face. If a chimp is smiling at you, there's a sign of aggression? Oh, well, I mean, like... I've said it before, if I get, if I get mauled by a big cat, you know, it's totally cool. If, if a chimp tears my face off, I was probably trying to pet it too. 
He ain't got no he ain't got no hate in his body. Look at him. He's fucking adorable. He ain't gonna hurt nobody. He ain't feral. Look at that smile. You know you wanna see Stevie. Cicero, I actually the the baby pygmy hippo. That was our was that the Christmas Christmas Eve Troll Patrol we did? I did Christmas animals. I think I actually I, I clipped that one for YouTube. You can totally go see Christmas animals on YouTube. We watched a, we watched a moose shed its antlers. We we saw the pygmy hippo. We had a little kitty, little hairless sphinx. Got a puppuccino. Christmas animals. No, go watch my video of the pygmy hippo. Monkeys weird you out? Don't let monkeys weird you out. I'd hold that monkey. I'd fucking cuddle that monkey. Alright, not gonna be a freak show tomorrow night. I'm gonna take a night off, but Saturday night... We are totally doing a special Troll Patrol. We're gonna... We're gonna do uh, a countdown of some of the biggest stories of the year. We're gonna watch some some clips I left out of the best of of the Troll Patrol. I've got I've got like news bloopers of 2022. I got all kinds of uh, year end wrap up shit to do. Lady B will already be in the new year by the time we get to it. I guess I guess I'll have to celebrate the new year in each different time zone the way I can. I've never done it on New Year before. I've never done it on New Year. Uh, we always do like the different time zones for 420. And we celebrate 420 across the country. I guess we'll have to do that for New Year this year. If you are watching on Twitch, we are going to head over to Goat versus Fish. Yep, yep, I'm doing it. Let him know if you are goat or if you are fish. I don't know what I... Am I feeling fishy tonight or am I feeling goaty? Uh, yes, I have... I have... I have a, a very good idea of how many time zones there are because we do it on 420 every year. Oof. <laughs> That's funny, Zimp. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We will see you on Saturday night for a special New Year's Eve edition of the Troll Patrol live. <laughs>